Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Daily Digest from Football Digest. I'm Ned Keating. I'm joined this morning by Rick Stagg and Mark Jones to bring you all the latest from the January transfer window. Uh, and gents, a rare thing, we've actually got some moves to talk about that have happened this morning. It's it not, not been the busiest of windows so far, but finally we have a bit of action to, to talk about. Uh, Felipe Coutinho moving on loan to Aston Villa for the rest of the season. Kieran Trippier is someone we'll come on to uh, a little bit later as well. He signed for Newcastle on a deal that we've been expecting for a couple of days, but finally confirmation uh, this morning. But but first up, we will start with Coutinho Reese. Um, and it's a, it's a bit of a coup for Aston Villa, I think, isn't it? You know, this player was, he, he come, he's arriving from Barcelona. He's played for some of the biggest clubs in the world in Liverpool and in Bayern Munich. Um it's, it's a real massive, massive coup for Aston Villa, who you know, only a couple of seasons ago were, were still battling relegation in the Premier League. Probably, you know, could still potentially be involved in a relegation battle this season, but it always helps when you've got a player of Coutinho's quality in your side. Yeah, definitely, very much so. I mean, think about how good Coutinho was before he left the Premier League. He was, you know, if, if not the best player form-wise at the time. Um, for Villa to grab him now, although... He's had a really tricky time in Spain. I think it's fair to say. First, as he went there, he had a month out injured, and it's really not worked out for him. I think three different permanent managers. But if he's fit and he's willing to go, he's it's a very big coup. And obviously, Gerard being there, he knows exactly what Coutinho can do. And Coutinho's still got the talent to build a team around him, even though he has had struggles with form. It would be interesting to see how quickly he gets into that team, um, Gerard. Gerard knows how good he is, but the form thing, you're just not sure. They spent a lot of money on um, players that were supposed to come in and replace Grealish, but bringing in Coutinho seems like a big name to do it, definitely, yeah. Mark, it's very convenient that we have you, yourself, a Liverpool fan, on the podcast this morning to talk about former Liverpool star and and how brilliant he was in Mr Coutinho coming back to the Premier League. Um, It's not necessarily worked out for him, though, since he's left Liverpool. I mean, there's, there's so many stories talking about kind of how... Um, it, it was a masterstroke from Liverpool to sell him because the money that they they sold him for back in 2018 and they were able to reinvest in the squad. Um, and as we as, as I mentioned there, it's not worked out for him in Spain and, and obviously on that loan spell in Germany as well with Bayern Munich. But now he's coming back to the Premier League. Will he, A, find his best form again in the league where he was brilliant last time he was in it? And, and B, does he have a bit of a point to prove perhaps to show that he can still cut it at the highest level? Um, I think to start with B, uh, yes, definitely does. Um, he, the, what I'm looking for now from him, I mean, he's, it's, it's easy to forget he's 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 nearly thirty. You know, he, he's a, he's a player who sort of always seems like that, you know, young sort of 23, 24 year old. But what you're looking for from him is this sort of next phase of his career. And and if I'm Gerard, I'm, I'm <sighs> Gerard. Gerard won't have brought him to Villa just to because he's his mate. You know. Yes, yes, yes. They, they, you know, they played in the same team. They were former teammates. Everyone's going to make a big deal of that. They love each other. They both said, you know, what, how great it was playing with the other one. Steven Gerrard now is a very serious man and a very serious manager. You just got to see the way he talks. I've been really impressed with him actually. I think he, there's a lot that goes around Steven Gerrard, but I think he's really taken all that away, and he's he's just a you know absolute level-headed manager. He won't have brought Coutinho in as a sort of window dressing. He, you know, he's he's brought him in as a, a player who can make a difference. 
I've got a slight concern about that because we haven't seen him make a difference in the past, whatever it is, three or four seasons now. The way he left Liverpool was, uh, again, it's one of those sort of, everyone looks back at it now and, you know, well, it was a great move by Liverpool and the, the, the money they got in, which basically bought Alisson and, and Van Dijk. But, but it's easy to forget that Liverpool kind of weren't, weren't the force they are now four years ago. Four and a half years ago was when Coutinho basically decided he wanted to leave. They hadn't really been in the Champions League. You know, he was, he was I think, within his rights to try and look for a move away to a, a big, you know, a sort of bigger stage at the time because he'd seen the likes of Suarez do it, you know, going back even further, Xabi Alonso, Mascherano. It was that, it was that idea that Liverpool were the stepping stone club to a, to a Barcelona. Hasn't worked. So it's a little bit, you know, no, no disrespect to Villa, but it's a little bit of a kind of coming back with your tail between your legs situation. I'm fascinated to see how he does. Um, and I just want to see him be that bit more of a leader on the pitch as opposed to someone who kind of flitted around the edges of games a little bit. Reese, uh, we, we kind of touched on it a little bit at the start, but in terms of uh, Gerard pulling off a coup, um, but, you know, I know, I know obviously Mark's mentioned it there that they were mates previously uh, at Liverpool, so maybe that kind of helped bring him to Villa Park. But is there now a sign perhaps that Aston Villa and, and everything that they have about them and, and with the manager that they've got, they'd be able to to kind of try and get more of these players, more of these higher profile players in that perhaps maybe they haven't been able to in the past when, with all great respect, I mean, Dean Smith used to live around the corner from me growing up, so I've got a great respect for him, but not necessarily the kind of players that he might have been able to attract to the club. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a similar situation to, to Lampard where players grew up watching him uh, from around the world, not just in England. And I completely agree with Mark. Gerard's going to, I reckon as soon as he talks about it, he's going to completely banish the idea that he's only bringing him in as a, as a favour to a friend. He, he's not going to want that look at all as a manager or for the club. But the truth is, would Coutinho be going there if, if Dean Smith was still there? You don't think so. Um, they have signed some some big players over the last few years since they've been in the Premier League, but Coutinho maybe wouldn't even be on his radar, I don't think. Um, Barcelona would, were trying to get rid of him, but there would have been other teams interested and that Gerard connection probably would have been the catalyst. Depending on how well it goes, I mean, six months, We if he he's, he's had injuries in the past, if he gets a bad injury and he misses half of that, then it, it, it's really 50-50 at the moment how it's going to go. If he can stay fit and get in the team, other players will want to go there. They will want to join him. He's got an option to buy as well, uh, Villa do, which we're not sure how much that might be. It's anyone's guess, I think, at the moment. But it's a massive move for the club as well as the player and, and the manager, of course. Mark, where does he fit into this Aston Villa squad? I mean, the big question mark that I've got here is, is that they've got a player that obviously isn't at the same level that Coutinho has shown in the past in Emi Buendia. So, but they're very similar in in kind of how I think they will play. And they haven't managed to get that much of a tune out of Buendia. They haven't managed to find a real place in the team for Buendia. So I'm, that's the only issue in my head that I've got with this move for Coutinho. Obviously, like I said, there, there is a difference in the talent that they perhaps could bring to the squad, but I'm just not necessarily sure where I can see Coutinho fitting into this in the squad. No, I agree. Yeah, um, I think if I'm Wendy's agent this morning, um, I'm, uh, I'm 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 a little bit concerned about about this move. Um, the interesting thing they've got is obviously they've got Danny Ings there, and they've got Ollie Watkins, and and you look at you know, obviously Watkins was so good last season. Ings came in. There was this idea that they could play together, but then are they a little bit too sort of similar because they want to play down the middle? I know Dean Smith started with 
Watkins off the left early in the season when then Ings were injured. So he hasn't really had to have that problem. They've got a lot of players. You look at someone like Bertrand Traore and El Ghazi. They'd never really convince you today. Um, so whether or not, you know, he's thinking potentially, can he play wide? But then Coutinho, the older he's got, he's not the quickest. Um, I wouldn't have him in a wide position these days. Uh, for Liverpool, his best probably came in that kind of number eight position, um, particularly in probably what was his his best season as a player, which actually the season he moved to Barcelona, where he had the first half at Liverpool, the second half at Barcelona. And he at Liverpool, he was playing with the front three that we now know to be the front three. They'd all come together. And then he goes to Barcelona and I think he was seen as a kind of an Iniesta replacement. He scored something like 22 goals that season. So he's he's got he's got that in him. Um, I think he's he's going to be used as kind of a number eight, number ten type player, which is is, is Buendia, as you say. So, so whether or not Gerard just doesn't fancy Buendia, um, I mean they paid a lot of money for him, didn't they? Uh, you know, and it was kind of at the time was seen as a big coup to get in ahead of Arsenal to sign him. Hasn't quite happened for him. Looked a little bit lightweight sometimes, um, but then you could say the same about Coutinho, and and he's going to come going to come with a kind of a point to prove, as we all say. So at the moment, I mean, it'd be interesting with Ings. He, he played with Ings at Liverpool very briefly, so he'll know he might have a bit, bit of a bit of a link up there. Um, so we'll see how it works out for him. It is difficult to imagine where he is fitting into the team at the moment, probably because it's still difficult to imagine playing with Villa, isn't it? So um, it's still, it still feels a bit odd. Um, so we'll see how it all settles down. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Um, I wouldn't like to be in uh, Wendy's shoes this morning. Moving from one completed deal this morning to another, Kieran Trippier finally confirmed as a Newcastle player, Reese, um, the first signing of the new era under the new owners for, for Newcastle. Um, and his defence exactly where they needed to start. You know, you look at the other areas of the squad that they've got at the minute, there might be, it, it looks like perhaps potentially, and, and maybe right back especially, is exactly where they needed. And, and it wasn't like a, uh, how should we say, a kind of almost like just splashing the cash from a luxury player up top. They're actually looking at this as to where they need to strengthen their squad in a bid to, to beat relegation. Yeah, absolutely. I think Eddie Howe was obviously known for this free-flowing football at Bournemouth, but a lot of the time he was there, he had a, the solid back four. He could trust the whole time to um, sort of put that to the back of his mind and then worry about the football going forward. And I think looking at reliable defenders in world football, Trippier's got to be right up there. He's still in the England side. Um, says a lot that Simeone not keen to let him go. Uh, 12 million, not a massive risk. I think the bigger risk is for Trippier, really. He's gone from Champions League to relegation battle. Newcastle, even if even if they were to go down, they'll, they'll easily get their money back. I think it's a, I think it's a really good move for them. And I think um, it, he'll improve the other the other defenders alongside him as well, playing alongside someone who's been been to the World Cup semi-final, he's been to European Championship final. So I expect him to fit straight into the form. He had his best form he had at Tottenham before he left and the form at Atletico as well. I think uh, it's a smart move from Newcastle to um, convince him. And, and the first one of the era as well, it's, uh, it's, it's big, it's big. Mark, do you think that, as, as Reese touched on it there, what, Trippy has achieved and especially in, in recent times you look at you know like La Liga winner only about six months ago obviously in the, the final of the Euros with England as well so we're not talking about kind of some mercenary that's that's come in and, and just there for the big you know wage packet this is a player who can still achieve you know I mean he was even linked with Man United last summer as well so he's not a player that much on the decline probably still got a good couple of years left in him so by signing the player like this the calibre of this player the mentality of this player 
could this perhaps potentially convince maybe one or two other players who are a little bit on the fence um, about joining Newcastle at the minute? Obviously, there's there's talk about Lucas Dinia being having reservations about going to Newcastle, even though there might be a deal there involving Sean Longstaff. But could a player like Trippier and what he brings and what he is and what he stands for maybe convince one or two others that, yes, Newcastle are in a difficult place right now, but it might be a good project to join? I think what you're looking for is probably characters in this in this sort of situation Newcastle are in because the whole world knows they've got all the money in the world now, but also the whole world can look at the table and see where they are. And um, it would be very easy for footballers to, you know, get their agents on the phone to, to Newcastle and say, I want to come and play for you, but I doing it for the right reasons, you know, um, and I think everything I don't I don't know, but everything I've heard and read about Trippier is that he's a good character. Um, he, I, I read some stuff about him at Atletico Madrid and how you know he really kind of made an effort to learn the language when he went over there, and he really tried his best to settle in. And there's no real hard feelings about him leaving because he just wanted to go back to to uh, go back home. And I think we have the same thing here, where we have foreign players who come over here for two or three years. And then they want to go back home. It's it's natural. Um, so I think he's a he's a clever signing in in the sense that he's an experienced player. We know, you know, we've seen him play for England. We've um, he's got that experience of tournaments, getting very far in in, in a couple of tournaments. So um, I think he's the right type in terms of the characters they want. And I think it's a good it's a good starting off point uh, for Newcastle because we all expect two three more, don't we, to come through the door and they sort of, I'd, I'd want them, for, for, like for their point of view and for their situation, I'd want them to be more more trippier than a Bamiyang, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Men that, are, that you'd want to follow into the trenches, I think is what you're, yeah. you're trying to get at there at least. Um, but Mark raised an interesting point there, Reese, about Newcastle having all the money in the world. And actually, this deal for Trippier looks like they're going to be very shrewd operators. You know, going back to the summer when he was linked with Man United, there was talk of, what was it, 25, 30 million pounds that he was going to kind of cost them. Um, now that he's moved to Newcastle, it's an initial 12 million pound fee. There are going to be additional add-ons and bonuses and et cetera. That, that's just the way that, that football transfers are done these days. But for Newcastle to get a player of Trippier's quality for just 12 million, when we've spoken about the fact that they've got all the money in the world and you'd expect maybe other clubs to hold them to ransom, it, it shows that, maybe they might have a fair few shrewd operators working in the background and that not necessarily, they're not going to be you know, splashing, they are going to be making big transfers, but not necessarily splashing the, the massive boards or being held to ransom like we maybe previously thought. Yes, this is always going to be a tricky window for Newcastle because everyone knows now they've got the money. It's just about how, how much they can, especially in the position they're in the league. If They, they can't go and, we've seen it done in the past, uh, I think, QPR had had a January they spent loads of money and didn't quite work out for them. And it puts you in a really perilous position when you do go down. With Atletico Madrid, they definitely could have demanded more. I think it's, it's a bit of respect for the player by, by letting him have his wishes and go. That's the thing they've got to worry about. It's other clubs saying, you're not having him for that price because we know you've got the money. But for 12 million, it's, it's, it's nothing these days, is it? It'd be interesting to see if they do splash out on one, one big signing before, before this transfer window's over. But their, their big money could be in the summer if they do manage to stay up or say they go down and come back up again. It'd be that window, that the, the sort of window where you can go and spend 100 million and have little backlash to it. That They're going to have to be careful. Maybe they'll go and spend 50, 60 million on three or four players. 
I think that's the thing at the moment. It's just the uncertainty means they're not really able to fully unleash their spending power on the league just yet. Uh, as ever, we're getting plenty of comments in from our viewers, um, one of which comes from a regular contributor, uh, Biblop. He says, Newcastle got a great deal with the signing of Trippier, definitely one of the best right-backs in the world right now. Uh, and obviously the, the point that we kind of touched on there about uh, Trippier looking to, to come back to England. Um, but definitely a, a good signing for Newcastle, Mark. But do they need more defensive recruitments you know there, there has been uh, links with Sven Botman with Diego Carlos as well so now that they've got the right back box off is it a case of moving over into the centre of defence and, and trying to kind of strengthen that yeah I think they've, they've, they've flipped over the chart and and, and, and they're on to centre backs now and um, yeah Carlos is one I've seen I've, uh, that name doing the rounds in the last 24 hours or so and every time I've seen him he looks a real he, look, he looks a real sort of presence at the back and the type of person that you can imagine, you know, the fans really taking to at Newcastle. Yeah, defensively they've been they've been poor, haven't they, all season? They they just don't give you the confidence that they're gonna sort of keep clean sheets or hold on to leads or anything like that. And um Eddie Howe, you know, we've we've seen we've seen his his teams in the past. They you know, Bournemouth were, were quite similar at times. They did concede a lot of goals, but they would score a lot of goals and um this Newcastle side at the moment, certainly they've got they've got injuries, I know, in attack, so they can't quite rely on that on that scoring of goals. So they're gonna I mean, someone like Lascelles, I think, is a, is is someone who will be really buoyed by what's happened at the club because he's been through some some tough times there. And he strikes me as someone who, you know, could improve as as the, as his teammates around him get better. So you might want to stick with him, but then none of the rest really give you too much um to be confident in. So so yeah, centre back could be could be the next one. Um and we're into this situation again, similar to Trippier where, you know, are you bringing in the right type? I I are you bringing in someone who as you know, as I mean I think Reese is spot on talking about in the summer. Yeah, in the summer you're talking about your possibly your 40, 50 million pound players, but right now they just need to come 17th. And um, you know, do they have the the sort of players available that can do that. I think they do. I think if they sign no one from now, it's you know I don't I don't think they're shooting to go down at all. I think it's it's going to be pretty close. But um, those two or three more could could make the difference. And yeah, I'd say I'd say probably centre back is the next priority. We've spoken about incomings quite a lot this morning, but perhaps we should move on to, to outgoings. And by the sounds of it, it could be a revolving door at Man United this month, uh, Reese. If if the reports are to be believed, and um, what is it? it? It went from seven players, I think, early in the week to now seventeen players potentially asking for a move away from Old Trafford. It's good to see that Ralph Ranick's having a positive impact on the squad up there so soon. Um, it's mad though, isn't it? There's not going to be 17 players on the way out at Man United this month, is there, Reese? But there could be one or two. Obviously, we're expecting potentially Anthony Martial to, to move out on loan, although he was pictured earlier this week training in the Man United top whilst he was working at home. So I don't know if he's trying to send a message. Um, but it's it's an interesting one because obviously Vanjic himself is going to have to, to balance what he wants from this squad whilst also trying to think about a man who he doesn't know who's going to replace him and what he might want. It's an unbelievable... The situation, man, you can't follow it. It's it's ridiculous. They go from solid start on the Rangnick looking a little more organised, they lose one game and all of a sudden everyone wants to leave again. It's easier going through their squad and picking out players who will definitely be there 
uh, next season because there's not that many of them. Uh, with Martial, maybe he's planning to whip off the United shirt to reveal the severe shirt underneath. Kashani style, I don't know. But um, yeah, Jeremy Cross's article last night, Ronaldo's not sure, certain going forward. And the whole Rangnick thing, I mean, he needs to have a good end to the season. I know this this period is seen as just sort of hold the fort until they can get, get their man in the summer, maybe Pochettino, maybe someone else. But if he doesn't go well for him and the players don't respect him, and then he's moving into a, a senior a senior role behind the scenes after that, then the blame is just going to be at his door until he leaves. I think if you look at the wages Man United pay as well, the fact that a lot of their players don't really want to be there, you just don't know what the solution is. I mean, you, you blame the manager, you can blame the, the, the you know, Ed Woodward's leaving now, the uh, executive chairman, but it just looks like there's too too many issues to fix. and all of a sudden the, the lights shine on Rangnick and people are saying he, he hasn't been in a permanent job for a while and he's never had a job this magnitude. Good luck to ever sitting down and trying to sort out the contracts. Rumours of a new co- contract for Pogba as well, which looked, that looked like one to be decided that he was going to go. Now that's back on the table and I don't know what the right answer is for United and I think the problem is no one no one knows the right answer. For the listeners who are listening to this as a, as a podcast episode, I'll let you in on a little secret here. The Liverpool fan, Mark Jones, sitting through that with a smile as wide as the Cheshire cat on his face. Try Not not trying to hide it at all there, Mark. But in terms of Man United and, and kind of where they've gone and how they've gone, is this the culmination now, this, you know, where we find ourselves of all these players wanting to leave in January of, you know, potentially missing out on the Champions League this season, of not having the clue who's leading the ship and, and going in whatever direction? Is this the culmination of, you know, many, many years, perhaps going back to, to when Ferguson and David Gill left, that's mismanagement from that point and this should have been kind of slowly, slowly creeping up and now that they've got to the point of, oh my God, we're in a massive hole, uh, how do we get out of this? And and they hadn't realised that they were heading for that hole. Yeah, it's 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 wrong decision after wrong decision. Um, it's kicking a problem down the road. It's, you know, relying on the fact that they're Manchester United so they'll get out of it or you know some sort of um, spirit that, that they obviously have as, as as one of the one of the biggest football clubs in the world and a hugely successful one but it's not enough it's, 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 it's not enough to keep up with with the modern game and the modern way that that, um, that the, the clubs at the top of the Premier League and in Europe have, have evolved over time um, thanks to the methods of, of great managers and of you know, sort of a different way that, that, that tactics come into football. They've been at the forefront of that. Man United have had the bloke squad winning the Champions League final as their manager for, for three years just because. Um, and then they've now got someone who, yes, obviously has had an impact on football. You know, I mean, every as soon as he came, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't sort of turn on the internet without reading something about how he influenced Klopp and Tuchel and all these people, and of course that's true. But but as we said there, he he only managed he, he has only managed in two of the last ten seasons. Um, my problem with that is how does he cope in game? You know, you're talking about in game um, tactics and strategies, and you know when 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 Wolves are, are passing them off the park the other day, how does he react to that? What does he do? And what he did was he matched up Wolves. He went three at the back, and and it it just didn't really make for anything. Uh, that happened. On the flip side of that, if you're a Manchester United player, I think you've got to look at yourself. Um, I mean, they've got no right to be saying they're 
they're upset or they're you know when you, you, you know you, you you're underachieving you, you you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world and you've done nothing really um so the whole thing's a mess um they need a figurehead as a manager it's not running it um who it will be is beyond me because they they seem to be that was the latest thing about how they the reason why they didn't want Conte was because apparently Conte was going to be too difficult for the players to yeah, I mean so what you're saying the players aren't intelligent enough to work with one of the best managers in the world I, I, I don't really understand it because what Solskjaer just took them into training and let them do whatever they want probably true but um, I, 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 I don't I just don't see what the what the idea is there and, and I just this whole thing about 17 players wanting to leave I find I mean surely it's not that many but um, it's it, it, it baffles me that, that, that it continues to baffle me. I thought I thought it would get slightly clearer when Solskjaer left, but it seems to have um, taken a turn kind of uh, for the for the worse in these last few weeks. And and where does it go next? I don't see them getting the top four now. To be honest with you, I think there are other clubs. Arsenal, Tottenham look look, look much better equipped uh, for that. So uh, is it just a case of getting to the end of the season and then then they try again? Mark, just before we go, just wanted to get one last little transfer line in uh, before the end of today's episode. Luis Diaz, a Colombian winger from Porto. Looks like he could be heading to your beloved Liverpool. Um, is that a lot? You've done that a lot today, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've not mentioned it at all, have I? Um, but is, he, is, is that a big fee for someone who isn't maybe going to play that much? He might come in this month and play a lot. Um, because obviously Salah Romano away at the African Cup of Nations, but it's going to take a hell of an effort from him. Is this a signing that perhaps is maybe not for this window and for, for next season, but for when the time comes that maybe Salah Romano are no longer at the peak of their powers? Um, yes and no, because we've been saying the same thing for a couple of years, haven't we? You know, uh, and there is going to come a time when Liverpool have to act. It probably is now, to be honest. Um, they are letting things run a little bit too too long for my liking in terms of contracts and the age of some of the players. I do think it needs to get a little bit younger there. They've started to do it. You look at players like Jota and Canate, you know, they, 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 it's starting to make that sort of younger. So, and, and, you know, you can see what the plan is for players like that. Um, I think I would be surprised if the sort of existing front three, if they're all there this time next year, I think probably one, one has to go fairly soon. Um, so, if you're talking about bringing in a player now to, with the idea of begging him in for for the summer, then yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But um, Liverpool don't tend to work that way. They're very um, sort of conservative, uh, conservative with, with, with a small C for uh, in their in their in their transfer sort of policy. Um, so it's it's funny. I mean, you look around at the squad now, and it's it's not the biggest, and the options aren't there, and they can't keep going back and relying on the same sort of players. So. I would be moving for someone like Diaz. I've seen him a few times. He, he actually played against Liverpool in the Champions League. He looks very good. Um, type of player that you could see working for Liverpool as well. He's a hard-working player. He scores goals. He's creative. So um, if it's up to me, I'd be I'd be doing it. But but it's it's, it's not. So um, yeah, we'll see see where it goes. I'd be surprised if they did it though in January. Reese, Mark, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time as always. Of course, you can keep up to date with all of the latest from the transfer window uh, across the Daily Mirror, Daily Express and Daily Star, as well as all of Reach's regional titles. But for now, it's goodbye. Goodbye.